Hey guys, this episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by BitCasino and Shopping.io. You'll hear more about them later on this episode. What is up? I, I love it. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where twice a week together we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to really understand how this movement came to be and where we're going. And today we get to talk about some of my favorite topics like privacy, secrecy, zero chain. And we're here uh, with my guest today, Saswata Basu. You are uh, a part of the, the Zero Chain project. Actually, what's your role in Zero Chain? Well, first of all, I'm honored to be on your show, Charlie, and uh, glad to be here. Um, the role uh, that I have, I guess, is uh, I'm the founder and the CEO of uh, zero chain and uh, we've been at this project for uh, three and a half years so we've been grinding away for the last three and a half years uh we are certainly young in the crypto space if you look at no you're not research. you're not i was doing the research and now especially where we are now you're like an og project now 2018 you guys have been yeah. through when you go through a bear market and then you're in a bull market again you become og status in my opinion Okay, well, that's great. Yes, yeah, we have been through bear markets. We we now are very lean. We are totally distributed. Uh, I think we are probably more globally distributed in terms of our dev team than any of the other projects. Uh, we have been lucky enough to acquire talent elsewhere other than Silicon Valley. So um, yeah, so we we can sustain any bear markets. You're 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 a serial entrepreneur. You have you've crazy experience in privacy, data security. You have a, a PhD and, and, and a master's in electronic engineering from UCLA, the school that I couldn't get into. Um, distributed systems, secure sharing, blockchain, like, like really from an attracting talent point of view, I could see why a lot of people would want to uh, be working on this project all the time and, and being involved. But at the same time, what you're doing, uh, and I'd like for you to kind of get more into it, it's you're, you didn't pick the lowest hanging fruit. You pick almost like the highest hanging fruit of the killer applications of what we want to do with blockchain technology. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, probably the the hardest project I ever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, started. And I said to myself, is this, uh, I mean, this is going to be difficult. But, you know, uh, if it, you, you only live once, right? So you, you want to do something difficult. You want to do something that's groundbreaking and something that helps humanity. So we think uh, with a decentralized storage, I mean, if you look at the market, it's huge. And um, now everybody can be, uh, it's basically Uberizing cloud storage and everybody can earn a piece of the pie that the big three cloud providers are earning. So it's a good endeavor. And um, it uh, also gives uh, the people who are storing data a lot of benefits that otherwise we wouldn't have, including enterprises. I mean, we're now uh, competing with essentially the performance of an enterprise app on a traditional cloud. We are better architecturally, uh, high performance. Uh, obviously, you have the privacy, the blockchain issue, uh, blockchain aspects. But, you know, um, going back, I mean, we had to start ground up. We had to do the blockchain. We had to do the storage platform on top of it. And then we built an app showing that how it all works so that other apps can kind of copy what we have done. So 
it has been uh, it's it's a it's a lot of work as opposed to forking code and uh, you know I can always fork something and be able to build on it and then have an application on top of it and go to market. But um, that's why you, you see very few storage uh, layer one, layer two applications. There's almost there. none. Yeah. yeah, and and some of the ones that have been working on this for years are still working on it, and it's a very um, like a lot of the technology. Uh, doesn't work. And sometimes like, you know, the technology won't work, but there's a lot of companies, a lot of people working on this. Um, so why is this though? So important. Why is decentralized cloud storage so important for like, you know, decentralized finance, for example, which seems to be what, what everyone, you know, where our, uh, uh, all our locked value is going towards right now. Like, I don't know how many trillions of dollars is going to be locked into decentralized finance soon. Why is like decentralized cloud storage? Why is this so integral for it? Um, so there, are, I, I think they're kind of a little bit separate markets, but they're intertwined in a way. It it is you're locking in value now. The, you're locking in value in terms of a hard asset, uh, which is uh, storage. Uh, is it easy to pull out the you know tokens from DeFi today? Yes, you can unlock now, um, but you will get some penalty but it's very hard to uh, pull out your data from a decentralized storage platform so we think we're gonna have a much uh, more stable platform uh, in terms of the token uh, aspect because everybody will be locking and staking tokens in order to consume and provide storage uh, so in that sense it has the DeFi aspects but it also has the physical asset that was missing in the crypto space. What is that? The physical asset is the storage. So your data. So your on the consumption is the data, right? Your personal data is going to be stored on, is going to be distributed over servers. And uh, for um, the miners, they're offering their server capacity. And these are all in data centers. So these are uh, typically in cities. Uh, so we have a lot of applications that are perfect for storing data that are high performance in cities and also for data localization where you have to store data within your city. So for enterprises, this is perfect. You know, um, Anytime you back up your data, you're, you need a backup that's data localized and this, is, this would be our perfect solution for them. Um, and I think we, we are uh, primed with us. There are some of the features that we have is perfect for NFTs. Um, you know, we have features that allow mutable NFTs or multiple data assets associated with an NFT. Um, we also allow video NFTs, which are high performance. Uh, you need high performance NF, you know, storage in order to showcase your NFT, uh, such as a video NFT. Well, it used to be like the focus was having all the metadata be decentralized, but the data was still kept in, in various centralized locations. But now you actually have a way to have like all of that data uh, all distributed all over the world. And those who have extra space can get incentivized and you have a whole like token economic model built into it to, to maintain that incentivization. Um, how do you make sure that like, isn't it a, you have, it's like a chicken and egg problem, right? You have to have enough people that are willing to that need stuff stored and you also have to have enough users that are in, in a, enough of a decentralized like in enough of a decentralized way 
distributed all over the world that are willing to open up their space and then be willing to accept this token first. And then the thing is, when I'm doing the research, I'm seeing that there's like a beautiful, healthy ecosystem out there of actually people doing this and using it. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, you got to... I mean, in any ecosystem, you gotta you have basically players that are gonna build the road, and you need people to drive on the road, right? Yeah, so of course. you need both uh, people who are provisioning or providing the service. Uh, so we are incentivizing uh, what do we call blobbers or storage providers, uh, and you know we are, and these are discussions we're having with some of the bigger uh, cloud providers to have something like a click and buy model where they can provide that storage capacity, you know, in data centers. So it's, uh, so we, because we want to be high performance. It cannot be on a- Yeah, so it has to be, yeah. you can't just tell people like, oh, it's it's not as good, but it uses blockchain. It has to be on par, if not better, Yeah. than, than whatever better. traditionally was being used. It's better. You're building it from the ground up and you have that like incentivization model. But what's the, no one, like you don't go to, you know, any of these other like centralized or even decentralized storage and there's like a focus on privacy, why, why, which is amazing. There's a focus on individual user rights, which is what I love. And, and that privacy, it's not anonymity or that other BS. How do you kind of define like, like individual user rights versus the need for like to, to maintain uh, 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 integrity of the, of the whole? Yeah. So, um, uh, there, I think there are attractive elements uh, for decentralization. One is censorship, right? Nobody yeah. can take, nobody can shut down your um, data access, which you know we have, and we have seen that happen in in twenty twenty one. That's literally the whole point of Bitcoin and blockchain is censorship yeah. resistance. No one can take exactly. your money. No one can so take that's your data number one, right? For yeah. certain apps, you, you don't want uh, you know AWS to prevent access to your data. Number two, you don't want, um, um, privacy is very important. Uh, you don't want AWS to hand over the keys to the US government, which it does. The US government has absolute right to look at your data. Um, so the data is you know, on our platform is owned by you. So you're the owner of the data. So that's uh, so those are the two primary reasons for decentralization. It's the In most terms important of thing right there. Our platform, is we do private data sharing. Um, so you can now actually share data easily with other entities that you want to share. Did you see the the news recently, actually, how the FBI set up like a, a, a like a signal type of chat app? And that was how they attracted all they this huge like drug bust and underground. Like just the other day, they set up like a fake version of WhatsApp or Signal or something. And then they they Oh my God, it was so brilliant. That's the only reason I'm talking about it. It was so, so smart by how the government did this. And I know it's crazy. We're saying the government's smart, but they actually got criminal influencers to go out into the underground world and like tell everyone to use this app. And then they got everyone using the app and then it was just a big honeypot and they busted them. So like, it's very smart. Like, I, you haven't, know, see, I haven't read yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty I cool. Read that yeah. Wow. What's so like? Wh how did you get into all this? How did you get into to Bitcoin and crypto? Who are some yeah. of the first people? I could ask this question again because COVID is over. Who was the first people that you met, like in the space? And do you still kind of hang around uh, meetups and stuff like that? 
Um, uh, not so much the meetups because in California it's um, so you know, close, yeah. still yeah, it's not as much as probably like in Florida. But uh, I think uh, we uh, I started in 2017, um, you know, mid 2017 when I got together with um, uh, a professor uh, of computer science in San Jose State. And uh, we just hit it up and said, hey, let's uh, do this. Uh, I mean, he, he has been exposed to the crypto uh, because he was a, um, a he, he did, uh, I think he was in one of the labs in France and Switzerland and was, you know, got that crypto vibe then. And yeah. he worked in cryptology labs. So uh, he was aware of Bitcoin. Uh, he did some work there. So we hit it off. And, uh, you know, my from my perspective, I was, Prior to uh, blockchain, I was in um, IoT with farmers, right? And I said, hey, why not have this data and sell this on a blockchain Wait, basis, uh, right? IoT for farmers? What's that? IoT for farmers? And what were you saying? Yeah. I, I, I interrupted you. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the, the farmers, you know, they don't earn much. Most of them depend on subsidy. But if they were to earn money, they, uh, they can sell their data which is a lot of value because people want to know what's happening with the crops and be able to buy and sell. I never crops thought of this before. Features. Yeah. So Data's that's an extra source of income for them. And I said, well, you know, that'll be great for farmers to have an extra source of income because they are the ones that uh, do not have uh, as much um, revenue source. And, but, you know, at that time, 2017, we didn't have, there was, uh, you know, there weren't any fast blockchain platforms. There weren't any storage platforms to store this IoT data and everything was expensive. So we designed this platform for fast, uh, a fast blockchain platform. And on top of it, a fast storage platform that is lower cost and be able to store this data and sell this data. Yeah, because agricultural data is just changing constantly, changes by the wind. Yeah. No pun intended. People bet on it in futures, right? So uh, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole ecosystem that actually is built on trading futures on on the pricing of. Uh, so in that situation, that. I could understand why that privacy is so important because they need to protect the data that they own here. Yeah. You don't want it's this is you know you could have corporate espionage, for example. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I mean, what type wanna... of data are we talking about here? Agricultural data, like what if I was a farmer and I was making money? What type of data could I sell? Um, your uh, sensor data. So you could have sensors that tells you the uh, water consumption, the, you know, uh, the weather. Uh, from that, you can derive what kind of crop you will get. It's a pretty solid science in terms of the interpretation of what the weather pattern would determine the uh, yield. And based on the yield, you can determine what the supply demand is. Based on supply demand, you can determine the price. So um, that's how hyper efficient market. Yeah. Yeah. That's how. So you get better input, better, you know, so it's basically at the end of the data, right? If you have access to data, you can make better decisions, future decisions. During this, uh, maybe a little bit off topic, but during like a lot of part of the the pandemic, um, for some reason, a bunch of like Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal, they were always pointing to lumber prices, lumber futures and things like that. I know it's a little bit different than agricultural data. But people that are trading, you know, futures of lumber, um, what kind of data are they getting out of? You have these, you know, these big companies that are chopping down trees that have certain patterns too, that they have certain data and things like that. How do they predict how much lumber they need? It's just 
I'm kind of like talking out loud here. I didn't know so much goes into it. And then there's so much like, like all of these data rails, I feel like are just PVC and duct tape. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, you you need data input, and there are models um, that, based on those models, you basically know what the uh, supply demand is. And once you know what the supply demand would look like, then you know what the future price is going to be. So, um, you know, like we are working with Ocean Protocol, um, and they are in the enterprise buying and selling data. So uh, that's something they would like to have a private uh, data sharing platform um, because they don't want to be liable as well to holding that uh, data that is being sold uh, on their platform. So that's something we're doing for them. And uh, it'll be basically done through us in the sense that you stored the data, you have uh, private keys uh, that you share it with your partners uh, on subscription before, basis and they get access to that data. Before, before this technology, blockchain technology existed, how would you be able to, to do like how would you be able to build a data sharing platform that de-risks all parties where the keys don't exist to only the data like creator or owner? It in my head that that was I mean, how do you do fault tolerance like that pre 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 Bitcoin, pre-blockchain, pre-Satoshi? Um, it's um it's tough. Uh, I, I think uh, you know, you have hardware keys and things like that. Yeah. Uh, right Physical now, you keys built hard. into laptops, you know, things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. So People you cannot use uh, In our case, we distribute the keys, and so a, you know, uh, because we stored the data in a distributed fashion, no one server has the entire content of your data. Uh, unlike you know some of the other uh, decentralized platforms, we are actually totally decentralized in the sense that we take the file, take we take your file and split it up into pieces and they're distributed over servers and therefore the keys are also distributed so you can't really um get access to the key to unlock those uh data you, so that's one yeah no what's what's two now two is you know we also have a you know aside from data we we also invented a technology uh where we split the keys um you know uh to protect your your token assets, because uh, you know, uh, I you know, I got hacked um, with SimSwap, and I thought there must be a better way to protect your token assets. There has to be a better way, not just your token assets, but your whole lives are based on these phone numbers. Yes, there's no reason that we shouldn't have more ownership of our phone number. Yeah, yeah. So, so we we basically for tokens of uh, in our zero wallet product, we basically split the data between your phone and laptop, which you carry pretty much all the time. So, uh, if you want to send data, then you could use this feature where you split the key between two platforms, uh, your mobile and your desktop, and be able to send data only. Uh, and this is on the on the client side, no server. Uh, you know, it's not a two-factor uh, authentication with a server like how you have today. Uh, it's basically on your client, two client devices, um, and basically uh, combining the keys and be able to send a transaction. And you have already customers, users, businesses already using it. What's great is that you, like you said, you partnered with Ocean Protocol. So now you have other industry folks that you guys are all working together. I saw you guys partnered with Chainlink. For oracles, let's talk about yes. oracles for one second. What, why it's are there so important? Sergey and I, yeah. So Sergey and I, we started pretty much the same time in two thousand seventeen. Oh, awesome. 
Yeah, and and you know we raised uh, tokens around the same time he raised uh, earlier than mine, and then of course the, he, you know he has been with that company for I think two three years, so they already had a developed product, which they just needed to uh, get awareness, which is sort of where we are right now. We have now close to dev- you know getting our mainnet uh, together and you know going live. And now it's just uh, getting awareness uh, for people to use it. So, but you know, we are we also partnered with uh, Magma and Facebook, and uh, it's been. Uh, I think that will be a great um, partnership as well um, for uh, another project. It's on the, but it's adjacent to storage. It's is basically a bandwidth marketplace, basically using our Wi-Fi to offload um, cellular yeah, networks. Yeah, I like that too. So we we were talking about sim swapping earlier, um, and I've been sim swapped just mm-hmm. recently, actually, a few months. It's always happening. My um, <laughs> like a hot target. <laughs> I don't care. Um, no, it's fine. My uh, my wife got sim swapped, and then they, uh, I remember the hacker even like texted me from her number saying like, "I want thirty Bitcoin, and I'll give you her number back." <laughs> um, you've gotten sim swapped. My best friend Michael Turpin, you know, one of my close friends, Michael Turpin got sim swapped um yeah i know michael yeah he's every world in lawsuits you know trying to it's craziness there has to be a better solution one of the solutions that i was telling you before the show but i wanted to everyone else to hear it is there's a great uh cell phone company called ifani e-f-a-n-i.com it's started by a bitcoin og uh because him himself was getting sim swapped and he's just a layer on top of any of the four so you sign up with him you know, it's like a hundred bucks a month. And then you get to choose your cell phone network that you want to be on, whether it's Verizon, AT&T, Sprint or whatever in the US. And you also have global roaming, unlimited everything, data, text, everything. But the beauty of it is you actually, he runs his cell phone company the way cell phone companies should be run. You have a VIP support person and he knows you and your voice. And he's the only person who can move your port, your number away or do anything to, you know, then that's how it should be. Your phone number is an asset right? Mm-hmm. These cell phone companies are the worst. They, they suck. I know you consulted for some of them. I'm so I'm sorry if I'm insulting some of your friends. Um, well, I don't know which one I consulted. Okay, I good. don't remember. I don't think. I mean, I, I mean, I worked with them. I mean, they were the customers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. point. Yeah. In, my, in my previous career, yeah, yeah. I was in the telecom business and, um, you know, that's how we're actually on the Magma project. We are working with cell phone companies on uh, offloading carriers. Hey guys, the Coin Gaming IO folks are back at it with another amazing promo. This time they're giving away three Teslas from April 19th to June 27th. It's so cool. Bitcasino.io forward slash Charlie. There's so many incentives and promos and things that they've been giving away over the past few months to my listeners. But now if you go to bitcasino.io forward slash Charlie and you play their game Live Crash and you can get in the top 10 in all 10 tournaments, you'll be entered in to win one of three Teslas. So all you got to do is go in there, play some slots, play some games, Get into the top 10 in any of the games and you'll be entered to win one of three Teslas. I mean, how cool is that? They've been giving away stuff at St. Patty's Day, at Valentine's Day. They're constantly, we're, we're always doing so many amazing promos. Bitcasino.io forward slash Charlie. You will not be disappointed. The most important part of our Bitcoin and crypto industry is being able to not only earn money in crypto, but also be able to spend it, earn rewards in crypto and keep that 
uh, revolution going, keep the cycle going of all of us together. Well, my partners at shopping.io are offering just that multi-tiered discounts up to 10% where you can spend your crypto anywhere that you're already buying everything already, Amazon, Walmart, eBay, but use your crypto to spend it, earn back cash back, earn back rewards. And not only that, but if you go to untoldstories.link forward slash shopping.io, you get an additional on top of every other discount, an additional 2%. So you can go there now and shop and get 12% off of everything you're already buying anyways and use your crypto, you can ship to uh, almost any country in the world. Fantastic, fantastic company. Make sure you check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash shopping.io. You've worked on a lot of different cloud platforms, a lot of different platforms that have come and gone over time. Um, you mentioned that your mainnet is going live and a lot of I want to ask you where what you think it's a general question like the future of Ethereum is because it seems like what's happening with Ethereum lately especially the last 6 months is it's become this platform where it's like a holding tank where like companies will just have like a token or whatever and then they end up launching their own mainnet and then they moving on is everyone and it seems this oh everyone should always build their own blockchains and we should be in like a multi-chain agnostic world but what happens to the future of Ethereum in that respect? Um, well, I don't know their token economics, but I believe, um, I mean, part of it is how much, what the inflation rate is. But the consumption rate, I'm pretty clear about that. It will continue to be consumed primarily because uh, we need a bridge. Um, between, oh, yeah, good point. Especially for companies, uh, projects like us that do not have um, you know, centralized exchanges, we are dependent on decentralized exchange. And, you know, you have Uniswap, we have now, we have now Bancor. Um, the, they are, you know, we need those platforms. Otherwise, you know, we're dependent on centralized exchange and there aren't that many good ones and it's hard to get mm -hmm. on a good exchange. So that's primary reason I think people will continue to have, um, uh, you know, the uh, Ethereum as a kind of a tank that you said, uh, but there may be a layer two solutions that will probably limits, limit uh, all the uh, transactions that's going through today. But you know, as transactions increase, maybe uh, there won't be as big of an increase, but people will continue to hold Ethereum. Uh, in terms of token value, I think it's, uh, it's a good bet. That Does Ethereum make it easy to move like to plug and play your own blockchain into it? Yeah, so we will have a bridge. So we, even though we will have an, our own uh, native blockchain for obvious reasons, in order for practical purposes, because otherwise you can't scale. Um, and we will have a bridge to Ethereum, primarily for um, you know uh, exchanging the tokens to other tokens. It's a, more a, a DeFi situation. Um, you know, we have DeFi um, incentives on Bancor for liquidity um, and for exchange. So I think that's going to continue to exist. Uh, for We're going to have this multi-chain, multi-agnostic token world that yes. will just all exist between, between each other. How do you guys uh, uh, deal with governance? How do you resolve disputes and, and, and reach consensus? Because some projects... Like even on basic governance stuff, they have trouble reaching the consensus altogether. 
Yeah, so we have a governance protocol. We haven't implemented it yet. Uh, that probably will be implemented for the next release, which is Kilimanjaro um, year from Fuji I love release. the names, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's all mountains, right? So, uh, well, mountains are hard to climb, but uh, you get a thrill after you do it. So yeah. we, you know, in Fuji, we're basically not going to have view change. We're not going to have governance. But uh, that will be in development right after we release it. And then a year from that, we will shift toward the governance model. And the governance we have is a ping pong model. It's a very simple model that will continue. Um, basically, you bid uh, on, on changes and um, it's EA or NA and you continue on until somebody wins out in terms of how much tokens they put in. How do you, how do you define like decentralization or like, how do you how do you define a blockchain that is actually censorship resistant or resistant against uh, attacks where it's like someone is attempting to like censor someone or something or whatever? Because I used to think, I kind of still do that, it's a spectrum. You know, there are projects that launch centralized, there are things that launch, even Ethereum has had its rough spots and, and it's like a path of decentralization and like over time, projects get more and more decentralized. Is that still like an accurate way to, to describe it in your opinion? Yeah, um, I think there are a lot of projects that, uh, blockchain projects that are centralized, unfortunately. And um, we're gonna be uh, decentralized from the beginning um, to some extent. Certain things are gonna be centralized like the governance. Yeah, and there's like a roadmap uh, for it, yeah. That's right. So for for a year, because, well, there are a couple of reasons. One, we don't want the, you know, we want to make sure all the bugs are out, uh, yeah. if, you know, and we want to improve the platform. And, um, you know, we want to make sure the network doesn't take, uh, get taken over. So those are things we want to consider when we go into decentralized model uh, completely where we allow like view change. View change means anybody can stake um, tokens to get into the active set and be part of the miners. That's something we're going to allow after a year um, after we launch. So it's so cool because if like a, a, a medical company, you know, adopts this or whatever, and I'm a patient of that company, it could be really spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we have collaborative feature on our platform. So you go to a doctor, he uploads the data for you, but you own the data and you have the rights to the data and you can send it to anybody you want. So, but you give him access to upload the data. So we have a collaboration feature uh, on our platform. So for medical companies, uh, so cool. it's perfect. Yeah. So you I won't was... have these HIPAA issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, oh my God. It's like, well, everyone, everyone was asking me all the time if I've gotten a vaccine. It's like a HIPAA violation. It's like, yeah. that should be my private, like, like, yeah. I, yes, I'm, everyone should be getting vaccinated, but it's like, uh, uh, I feel like the, the conversation it shouldn't be about whether or not you get vaccinated. It's do companies and governments have the right to get to ask you even that question? I think that for me is like my biggest thing. Like you have no right to ask me whether I've been vaccinated or not. That's Other right. than that, but at the same time for the collective, we should all be getting vaccinated, but that's, we don't need to talk about coronavirus anymore. I don't want to talk about coronavirus, but, but on yeah. the, on the, on the health front, when I did go to my doctor last week, he kind of like, at the end of whenever we talk, he like gives me a little bit like of a little tutorial on the human body, explains things to me, how, how our body works until he goes to his next patient. He's explained to me that our bodies are constantly getting attacked, constantly, like all the time. 
there's probably something right now trying to attack my body. My body's fighting it. Uh, and it, like, that's why when you get really, really sick, you have to be careful of getting something else that you are susceptible to. So when I actually had coronavirus like eight months ago, I got a really bad sinus infection during because my antibody, my, my immunity soldiers were fighting somewhere else as the doctor was explaining to me. And I'm bringing this back to a question. How prevalent is like ransomware and hacking for some of these large institutions that are constantly putting out data? Is this like where it's like a constant, like our bodies, or is it one off type of situations? No, I think hospitals, especially older hospitals, are vulnerable because their IT is not um, up to par. And so they're always vulnerable to ransomware. And they would, and, but they, you know, it's required by also law that you put your data locally, right? So that is a problem. Uh, it's kind of an oxymoron. But, Wait, say um, that again? Yeah, I heard of this. Yeah, so you have to have your data locally. So you can't really, you know, you have to have one. Uh, set locally, they don't have a choice. Um, if they and their their backup is not uh, secured enough, people can access to it, and that's what people do. The, most of the hackers hackers go to the least resistance. That's why replication is bad. That's why we do not replicate data. We basically stripe the data across servers. There's no way you can get access to the entire. Data what do set. you mean? What What are other company? What does that mean? Replication of data versus like striping the data. So, uh, like, for instance, uh, Filecoin replicates data. IPFS replicates data, which means I can, you know, mm -hmm. add a node, I have the data, right? Um, if you, that's why all the data that's, you know, sent to IPFS or Filecoin are generally public data. They're not, like, for private. Uh, but Siatech, um, uh, uh, StoreJ, and us, we stripe the data. So when striping means I take your file and I split it up into parts, and then each part is given to one server. So each individual server do not have the entire data content. So if you have a file that says, hello world, you may have the letter H. Uh, you know, some other server may have the letter E, right? But they don't have hello world. So that makes it very secure. So even if I have your private key, encrypted key, I'm able to, it's gonna be hard for me to get go to all the servers and get the keys and be able to decrypt that word. Wow, I never knew that there was the difference. That is so brilliant. And it completely and it's makes more, sense. And it's efficient. You know, in that sense, we are actually uh, greener than any of the other um, storage platform. Now green is a big deal with Elon Musk, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it's a stupid question, but wouldn't it's a stupid question, but wouldn't like replicating the data make it easier to access all the time? Whereas if it's it's if it's all, kind of all over the world, then it's like what's local and you have to access it. What if something's turned off? So we split the the way we uh and this is by the way, it all depends on the client. Of course. Um so if we, Oh, okay. So the client can choose all of all of these various metrics, okay, variables. Okay, right. cool. So it's very flexible platform. So mm -hmm. you can choose uh 1015 uh erasure code. So which means I split the file into 15 parts, but I need only 10 to reconstruct the data. So I spread this. So think of it as a CDN as well. It's so almost I like can, the way BitTorrent kind of used to work back in the day where you like have to grab, yeah. but there was but still like replication of data. That's right. That's right. But they, uh, BitTorrent, uh, they replicate. Yeah, they it's did like, replicate. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. But so this is different. So this is like 10 out of 15. 
Yes. Or so like now, <clears throat> and the, the beauty of this is that um, it's parallel. So now I'm drawing. So think of, I have a 10 megabyte file, right? Today, you sent a 10 megabyte file to a single server. Instead, you know, what we do is we split it up into 10 parts. So you send it to 10 servers, only one megabyte file. So it is almost 10x faster. Uh, although there's some, you know, computation that we do, which has latency, but in terms of raw mechanics, it's uh, faster in terms do of I the get speed of all the data. Do I get all of the data of who can access it and then when they accessed it, for how long, what, and all the data. So for example, like this podcast episode, right? This is ultimate value to me. We're recording this. This is financial value to me. We, and until we, it's we can do an NFT on a on this particular podcast, a live stream event, right? And yeah. this is something we're gonna do for We should another... do this. This is, sounds cool, yeah. yeah. What's your idea? Yeah. Well, we're doing this for um another um uh you know uh a live stream event, which is going to be huge. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, basically we can actually store this live stream event on our platform and it can be an NFT that you can sell later. It can be a private NFT for only your subscribers uh, that can get to view this data to in order to bid on it. So uh, there are multiple ways you can go about a business model for your podcasts. And it's blowing and my mind yeah, right now. We're going to do this. And we have multi-pair pools, so your NFT can have permanency. That one of the I want to give things NFT. away. I want to give more things away. When I was seeing my friends in Bitcoin Miami, all the the guests mm -hmm. of the show, I was just giving them, taking pictures. I like giving giving things away to my listeners. Like I tell my sponsors, make sure you're giving things away. They all are. Um, I love this. I want to do something like this because of yeah. I, I think loyalty is a big thing, and 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 my listeners are so loyal to me. I want to like kind of reward that loyalty back as a, as a thank you instead of just you know sending bagels and stuff like that well we could what you could do is sell the nft and sell and uh whatever money you uh, one of our tokens you get you can give it to your listeners um for that there you go. um for it's the beautiful for the subscribers i mean that could be an idea i'm mean, just thinking aloud here you could, you know, this could be a private event and you have x number of subscribers that viewed the event you could um uh, and then somebody buys it, um, and and you could give the proceeds to some of the some of your viewers. So we've we've touched on on so many topics today, where this technology and what we're trying to do, and what uh, businesses and institutions, financial institutions, medical institutions, government uh, uh, are doing in a scrappy way. Here, this technology like allows us to do it better with zero chain um, and Saswata. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I heard a really nice, I heard a really nice pos positive affirmation I wanted to read to everyone before, before I get into my weekend. I'm hopefully everyone is going to have a nice week or weekend, depending on when you're listening to the show. But to those who are listening to the show, may you have health and wealth. The world is full of a lot of negativity right now, but there is good to be found if we train ourselves to look for it. Keep on whatever it is that you are pursuing in life. Do not give up. Don't forget your goals and dreams. Stay above the toxicity of the world. I know it's a daily challenge, but it's very, very easy and very doable. For those who are listening, I wish you the very, very best. Saswato Basu, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. And I wish everyone uh, health, wealth, and happiness. And I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Glad to be here. Bye -bye. Wonderful. Thank you.